0: Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX. Sponsored by Michaels Flooring, the Flooring Experts, MichaelsFlooringOutlet.com.
1: It's that time of night. You can't stay uptight. So come and join the people and I'm feeling alright
2: here on O.
3: out America, oh, out America! Whoa, whoa! Moving through this night, all right. Welcome back. We have another live hour. So yeah, actually, it's past midnight, and we're live. And Doug and Donna performing that. Haven't heard from Doug in a while. I hope he's doing okay. I was thinking about him the other day. Don't know why. Hope Donna's doing good too. i Haven't heard from her in a long. Both of them. Ah, I hear the song and I get. Flooded back with memories. A couple of text messages that came in Saturday morning. WWF Sergeant Slaughter, Bushwhackers, Hacksaw Jim Duggins. Whoa, perhaps on Jim Duggan. I interviewed uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan once, and every once in a while, I would have an opportunity to interview old wrestling stars, and I would say, "Yes, please." This is back when I was first getting into radio, and I would just have so much fun with it. I also interviewed Brock Lesnar once. I guess he was also a wrestler, but mostly, you know, WWE and MMA and things. And I, there are a few other wrestlers I've interviewed before. But, man, it's it just brings back a flood of memories. And the sad thing is, you look them up today, they all treated their bodies so poorly. I mean, almost all of them, the old-time 80s and early 90s wrestlers. With some exceptions, but you go back and look at it, and they were beat up, abused. They injected things into themselves, took certain things, and you look at them today, and so many of them have addiction problems, and, oh, it's just terrible. Painkillers, things, you know, to just try to get upright at the start of the day. Sad. Uh, Here's another text message. The original Sirenos on Clayton Road. Don't know that one. Yeah, things that you would cruise around and do in St. Louis in the 80s. I was not part of that culture. I moved here just almost four years ago. Not quite, but close to four years ago. So I missed out on some of those fun references. So that one's new to me. There was that one hardware store from Scoop to Nuts. And I can't remember what that's called. I missed out on that, too. But randomly online, I found a T-shirt. Someone was selling it. It was hardware. Which one was it? if someone remembers, text message me the name at 314-436-7900. But uh, this hour, I wanted to start off talking about Rand Paul, and he spoke up about the impeachment process and just how just how wildly off-center this has gotten and how partisan it's all gotten. And as part of an eight-minute speech, I, I put a couple of clips together for it. And what he is saying is exactly what we've been saying on this show and the concerns that I have with this whole process targeting Donald Trump for the sake of targeting him. And Rand Paul brings this up too, and he brings up some awesome examples. Let me start with this, uh, just setting up the problems here.
4: Instead of doing the nation's work with their new majorities in the House, the Senate, and the executive branch, Democrats are wasting the nation's time on a partisan vendetta against a man no longer in office. It's almost as if they have no ability to exist except in opposition to Donald Trump. Without him as their boogeyman, they might have to legislate and to actually convince Americans that their policy prescriptions are the right ones. Mm -hmm. Democrats are about to do something no self-respecting senator has ever stooped to. Democrats are insisting the election is actually not over, and so they insist on regurgitating the bitterness of the election. This acrimony they are about to unleash has never before been tried. Why? Because calmer heads have typically prevailed in our history and allowed public opinion to cast blame where blame is deserved.
3: This is good. Not so much a calmer head situation with a lot of those in there. Ooh, Kevin called in, said central hardware. Oh, yes, central hardware. That's it. I couldn't think of it. What a great great slogan for a hardware store from scoop to nuts. Awesome. Awesome thing. That would be the type of place I go to. There is, um, there's a certain smell I like, and it's the smell of a hardware store. If you walk in and the floors are wooden, it's old timey. There's a bunch of people running around. They're wearing aprons. They can actually answer your question. Like, I mean, legitimately answer your question and it smells like wood and sawdust. Oh, I love this. If, um, if, if I were to go into Shark Tank, this is, would be my invention. It would be a, a saw, but essentially just meant to make sawdust. It's not actually functional as a saw. So you would ch- put in a little piece of wood. It would saw you know chop it up or whatever. And then it would just make the room smell like sawdust. Ugh, that's what I would want. And then I would have the sawdust. You can play around with it. Just kind of have it in your hand like it's a stress ball or whatever. I want to go to Shark Tank and uh, pitch that. I love that smell. You, you, it's something you can't replicate. You can't get a candle that smells like sawdust. And believe it or not, I actually have some cologne here that was sent to me by a company who was promoting like sawdust cologne or whatever. And I haven't had them on the show yet, but I said, maybe we should try that sometime. But uh, they sent it to me. It doesn't smell like sawdust. And there's you just can't do it. You actually have to have sawdust for it to work on something like that. So nonetheless, uh, get sidetracked by Sawdust, but Rand Paul right on board again. And this is really, to him, another sham. And what does it all come down to in the end? You know what? How about we go to break? We'll play a couple more Rand Paul clips. He is right on target. And everything that he says here is what we've been saying on the show. Everything that he says are the same concerns that I've been raising about this and the problems I've been raising about this. And you know what? It's almost like he listens to the show. He takes notes and he said, oh, that's a good one. I'm going to save that for the next time I'm on the floor when they finally deliver those articles of impeachment. I'm going to be there and I'm going to here. I'm going to take my notes. I'll put it in. I'll say it better than he's ever said it, but I'll take the notes. I'll take the points and we'll go from there. If Rand Paul, Senator Rand Paul listens to the show, he's more than welcome to come on at any time. I'm a big fan of his stuff and you'll see why coming up after the break. It's Overnight America, KMOX. St. Louis's traffic station, KMOX. Welcome back. It's Overnight America and we'll talk a little bit more about Rand Paul and his speech today in the Senate. I think it's a great one. In fact, I have a great respect for Rand Paul. I think he is someone that has been very consistent in the way that he stands up before things like this. And I want to uh, also point out, I'm looking at some of the text messages coming through, things from the 1980s that people remember. One said, South Twin Drive-In across the street from Crestwood Plaza. Okay, that's pretty cool. The Basement Smoke Shop in South County. kshi Radio Station in Crestwood. <laughs> I've seen the documentary on kshi where they had the drive-up well, it wasn't a drive up, but they had a window apparently where fans would talk to the DJs and like give requests and things. It's such a legendary, legendary rock station. It's rare that you have two legendary stations in one market that's not New York or Los Angeles or whatever it is. But between KMLX and Casey, some pretty remarkable things in radio history happened here in St. Louis. Really, really true, of course, with KMLX being the most significant. Now, I'm not just saying that because I'm here on KMOX, but as a radio junkie and someone that pays attention and documents things, it's the amount of history and things that were started and the amount of talent on this radio station, it's truly unbelievable. And even when you talk to some of the old radio historians, and we come at this honestly, they say KMOX may be one of the top five most significant radio stations of all time. Really, that's what they say. Uh, Michael Harrison was quoted as saying that when we had the documentary for Robert Highland, and I got to say, I agree with him. It's amazing the history and the talent on the station, truly. So uh, thank you for those text messages that came in. Oh, bowling for dollars. Another text message that came in seventies and eighties, the bowling alley across the street from the arena exclusive show to St. Louis. I love bowling for dollars. What a great idea. I don't know if I've actually ever seen that. I've heard of the concept before, but have not seen it. I, I want to go back to Rand Paul to make sure we have enough time to play these because his commentary on what's going on is truly on target with the impeachment of Donald Trump, a second one coming through. You know, it, the what's the point? Point of impeachment is to remove an elected official from office. This person is no longer in office. And then on top of that, you even have, Supreme Court Justice Chief Roberts, who said he will not preside over this, meaning that it's going to be partisan, period, because the person presiding over it is someone that already says he should be impeached. So not an impartial person to begin with, but maybe that is not of the greatest concern. This is what Rand Paul brings up, and it's worth listening to as he calls on this argument.
4: This sham of an impeachment will ostensibly ask whether the president incited the reprehensible behavior and violence of January 6th, when he said, I know everyone here will soon march to the Capitol to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. Peacefully and patriotically. Hardly words of violence. But what of Democrat words? What of Democrat incitement to violence? No Democrat will honestly ask, whether Bernie Sanders incited the shooter that nearly killed Steve Scalise and volunteer coach. The shooter nearly pulled off a massacre. I was there because he fervently believed the false and inflammatory rhetoric spewed by Bernie and other Democrats, such as the Republican health care plan for the uninsured is that you die. As this avowed Bernie supporters shot Steve Scalise, nearly killing him, and shot one of our coaches and two or three of our staff, he screamed, this is for health care. Ask me or anyone if that's incitement. No Democrat will ask whether Cory Booker incited violence when he called for his supporters to get, get up in their face of Congress people, a very visual and specific incitement. No Democrat will ask whether Maxine Waters incited violence when she literally told her supporters, and I quote, that if you see a member of the Trump administration at a restaurant, at an apartment store, at a gas station, or any place, you create a crowd and you push back on them. Is that not incitement? My wife and I were pushed and surrounded and screamed at by this same type of mob that Maxine likes to inspire. It's terrifying to have a swarm of people threatening to kill you, cursing at you, and literally holding you hostage until police come to your rescue. That night we were assaulted by the crowd. I wasn't sure if we'd survive even with the police protection. But no Democrat has ever considered impeaching Maxine for her violent rhetoric. In fact, Republicans to our credit, have never once thought it legitimate to formally censor or impeach these Democrats. No Republican has sought to use the government to hold these Democrats responsible for Antifa and Black Lives Matter violence that has consumed our cities all summer, resulting in over a billion dollars of destruction, looting, and property damage. Not one Republican said, oh, let's impeach the Democrats who are inciting this because it would be ridiculous. Many on the Democrat side of the aisle cheered them on. Kamala Harris famously offered to pay the bill for those who were arrested. I wonder if she'll be brought up on charges of inciting violence for that now that she's vice president. Should Kamala Harris be impeached for offering to pay for violent people to get out of jail who've been burning our cities down? No, and no Republican has offered that. Because we're not going down the road that Democrats have decided, this low road of impeaching people for political speech. Should Republicans impeach the Democrat mayor of Seattle, who incited and condoned violence by calling the armed takeover of part of her city a summer of love? Any Republicans try to impeach her?
3: No. And this is just part of the speech from earlier today on the Senate floor. Rand Paul did try to get at least a vote. Hey, all right, should we get rid of this impeachment trial? Should we just kind of call it quits now? As it turns out, I think there were five Republicans that said no, and the rest of the Republicans uh, said, yes, let's uh, end this right now. So that indicates if there's five Republicans that would just want to see the trial, even if all five decided to convict, there would be nowhere near the amount of votes needed and necessary. In order to actually convict on this, let alone there's no consequence for conviction, so it doesn't even matter if the consequence is to be removed from office. Uh, what are you going to remove him twice uh, again? <laughs> so it's like we're going to remove him again, real bad, real hard this time. But no, he's already out of office. That's the thing. It's that there's no why do something that you have no consequence to. And then on top of this, unless it's fully political, by the way. And how many other examples do you need? And Rand Paul decided not to bring up. Uh, Chuck Schumer, when he very famously, when trying to protest the Supreme Court uh, nominations, we're coming after you, Gorsuch. We're coming after you. He's coming after you. You talk about inciting violence. We're coming after you. Who, boy, that doesn't sound good. But they still serve. And Rand Paul is exactly correct to point out that Republicans did not go to the floor and say we need to remove them from office for inciting. Of violence. And if this is the case, if this is the threshold they want to make, I think, how about you go back in retrospect? We can probably find a lot of examples that would qualify if that was the case because there is cause and effect. You say one thing about the Supreme Court, next thing you know, there's violence surrounding the Supreme Court. You say one thing about harassing members of Congress. Well, look at that. Someone shows up to a congressional softball practice and starts shooting. And this is terrible, terrible acts that were not perpetrated by the congressman who said these things. But if the threshold is so low that, by the way, the president gives a speech in the morning of January 6th, and now we know that the police and the FBI and them knew that there would be people traveling to try to conduct this violence on the Capitol building to do this to the Congress members, They knew this days in advance, and they didn't beef up or didn't uh, have the proper precautions set in place. And you're hearing these things in the news, and these are things that we've, already uh, known and now you're hearing this and you're saying okay it's how do you incite violence for something that was planned days before how do you incite violence during a speech that wasn't conducted yet so they're going to try to say well you get the idea it was just you know it's him being him and because it's him you know it was all his fault and all of these things are just up in the air and all the democrats that vote to convict on something like this are going to be voting to con their convictions of hating the person not voting on the act of incitement based on the words that he said they're going to vote just on the the hatred that they have of this person and rand paul's so right to point this out so let me play the last clip um of rand paul and this is close to the end of his speech
4: i want this body on record every last person here is this how you think politics should be Look, we've now got crazy partisans on the other side of the aisle trying to censor and remove two of the Republican senators for their political position. Now, look, I disagreed. I don't think Congress should overturn the Electoral College. But impeaching or censoring or expelling a member of Congress you disagree with? Is the truth so narrow that only you know the truth? We now have the media on your side saying there is only one set of facts, one set of truth, and you can only interpret it this way. Now we have seven senators on the other side trying to expel, censor, or impugn two senators on this side. And I defend them, not because I defend their position. I disagreed with their position. But you can't impeach, censor, expel people you disagree with. What's this coming to?
3: Yeah, and I think a lot of this is directed towards some of those people in Congress that were bringing this up, including the uh, Congresswoman here from St. Louis, Corey Bush. Um, you know, not a great start for her. So she gets in and says we need to remove any Republican in Congress that voted uh, in the way of objecting to the Electoral College votes. And then, you know, she gets caught lying about Ferguson and all these other things. And uh, it, it you you hear these things. Oh, and, and what's one of her speeches, she, some white supremacist in charge or whatever you now she's, she's doing and spouting all of this stuff. Rand Paul goes in there and he's saying it in a way that he doesn't have to call it out, but you know exactly what he's talking about. If, if you're going to go onto the floor and say, Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley or anyone else, because you said that here's some of the problems we had and this is what needs to be looked into, given the opportunity, that's where you can bring these things up. That's it. Uh, you get your hour and you're done. And then it's over and you do the vote and it goes through. You you get to say your piece. But to say that you're a traitor for objecting to something uh, is ridiculous. And that's the type of lunacy that we have right now in Congress and that we've seen even locally here. And Rand Paul is absolutely right. What is this coming to? You don't want to conduct business. Are you just trying to find ways to put something in your donor email so people will give you money? Large interest groups will continue to give you money. Soros will give you some money. Is that what the whole intention is? It's a money-making scheme. Way to go, Rand Paul. These things need to be said. People have lost their minds. The world has gone crazy. And luckily, there is at least a Rand Paul that is willing to come out there and uh, tell it like it is in the way it should be. So we're going to take a look at your weather coming up. And if you missed this from earlier, this is a good opportunity. Uh, we're going to shift gears and we're going to talk about Bigfoot. There was a representative in Oklahoma who said there needs to be a Bigfoot hunting season. So how about it? Um, I talked to someone that is a big Bigfoot guy, he studies it a lot. Dave Glover from our sister station, 97.1, joins us after the break right here on Overnight America KMOX.
0: News Radio 1120, KMOX, the voice of the Cardinals.
3: From our sister station, 971 and host of the Dave Glover Show. Dave, how are you? Great, buddy. How are you? Nice to you, Ryan. Yeah, I saw the headline that an Oklahoma lawmaker is proposing a Bigfoot hunting season and immediately thought of you and some of the experiences you've had going out looking for Bigfoot. And I think you just went last year. Is, is that right?
5: Yeah, what's interesting about so I have been obsessed with Bigfoot since I was a little kid, like most people my age, seeing the Patterson-Gimlin film on Leonard Nimoy's uh, In Search Of, and uh, there's this podcast called Sasquatch Chronicles, which has 600 episodes, and in each episode, there are two or three people who have seen Bigfoot, and they, they tell their stories. So I have become convinced Uh, I'm not a big believer in anything. I'm either convinced or I'm not convinced. And I am convinced that there is some sort of creature that people are seeing that we're calling Bigfoot. What it is, I have no idea. Uh, But I really, truly believe most of these people. uh, Some of of the uh, encounters are just almost face-to-face. It's not a bear. It's not an escaped chimpanzee. So... I I am convinced. So this summer I went on a motorcycle riding tour uh, of the Rocky Mountains with my good friend, Scott, who is a complete skeptic who makes fun of me. And everywhere we went, he would be like, look, it's Bigfoot. Look, it's Bigfoot to the point that it got pretty irritating. <laughs> so on our third day there, we were at Aspen. This is during the summer. And uh, he took me up on the gondola and we are uh, looking down at the, what would be the ski slope where people are riding motorcycle, or riding bicycles, and they're hiking and stuff, and you know a few hundred people, and he takes a picture of me, and about ten seconds after taking that picture, looking down the other side of the mountain where there's just nothing. Uh, about I'm gonna I'm bad at this, but I'm gonna guess about 150 yards away. He says, Scott the skeptic, what is that? And we look down the the mountain, and I'll just describe what I saw. I saw. One of the tallest people I've ever seen, very thin, not like a big, giant, bulky thing at all, but a big, tall person who was completely uh, black. They if it was a human, they were wearing long sleeves, long pants, black boots, a black hat, a black mask and black gloves. And this is, you know, it's in the mountains, so it's probably in the early 70s, mid seventy degrees, uh, even up on the mountain. So it would have been weird for someone to be wearing that. They were acting very strange. They were sort of walking in tight little circles and standing and swaying back and forth and kind of moving their arms back and forth the way, like, a little kid would do if they were nervous or something. And Scott looks at me and he says, seriously, what? The hell is that? And I said, I have no idea. Now, I have my iPhone on me. We just took pictures. And like I hear so many times on my Bigfoot podcast, I never thought once about filming it. I never thought once about taking a picture. I was just so amazed and trying to fit it into some sort of a box. And so this, wow. this, this happens for about 30 seconds to a minute. And then this thing uh, sort of looks up our way. I don't know if it it saw us or not. And then just briskly walks back into the woods. So he he was convinced it wasn't a person. And and we spent the next two days just drinking wine and and laughing like I can't I cannot believe that happened. Um, So I don't know what it was. It could have been a person in a black Adidas jogging suit with a, you know, whatever you call those things that cover your whole face. But it they were close enough that had I been able to see their skin, I could have seen their skin wow. and I couldn't see any skin.
3: That is something yeah, else.
5: Totally bizarre.
3: Yeah. Totally so bizarre. You, when you go on one of these, you don't necessarily expect to see anything. And when you do, you're just shocked and you're just stuck in place kind of like a deer in headlights you don't understand it's hard for your brain to process it when it really does happen
5: yeah i and and this was not a bigfoot hunt uh i've never been on a bigfoot hunt this was just going riding motorcycles in the rocky mountains and and just getting some time away and and relaxing and it was just so ironic that Scott, who's a friend and a fan of the show, knows my Bigfoot obsession and just needled me about it, as guys do, the whole time. And then he saw it. <laughs> he saw it before yeah. I did. In fact, he saw it about 30 seconds before I did because we did that whole, like, no, the pine tree, the pine tree, now go over 30 yards. <laughs> so he saw it for a lot longer
3: than I did. Yeah, and I'm someone who's always been a skeptic, and I do talk to paranormal guest once in a while. And there's a person I speak to named Dave Scott. He does a paranormal aliens, you know, Bigfoot, things like that. Whenever there's things like that in the news, I always call him up and ask him for his perspective on it. And it's funny you mentioned the Bigfoot video because we were just talking about it not that long ago. He said outside of the Kennedy assassination video, that's got to be the second most viewed video in all of eternity. that, That has been seen by everyone. He also mentioned something else. He said when you study that film, he said he believes it's a female Bigfoot because there's a chest on it. And he said, why would anyone purchase a suit that has a chest on it? Like, that doesn't make sense. So it looks like a female. So, I mean, the, the one, people that study this sort of thing, they take it very seriously. And he started to convince me based on the things he was saying. I am someone that um, I don't believe in aliens. But I do believe there is a possibility of a Bigfoot just based on the vastness of this world and the things we still have yet to understand and explore on our own planet. And I I feel like the door is open for me on that one. Um, So what does that mean for you? You have an experience like this. You try to digest it. Does that give you the motivation to go try and do it again? Are you going to devote your life to try to find it now?
5: Um, if I can think of worse ways to spend my retirement than being out in the woods looking for Bigfoot, even if I never found anything, (laughs) it seems like a relaxing thing to do, but no, I'm, I would love to do a Bigfoot hunt. Although I've heard many, many encounters of people who did Bigfoot hunts and encountered Bigfoot and crapped their pants and wish they'd never done it. Um, so I take it seriously to the point that I really don't want to meet one of these things. Um, and and i i have i don't really believe that it's like interdimensional or it, it it's uh, an alien i think it's this is a very very big planet and whether it's Gigantopithecus mated with Neanderthals or it's some strange hominid hybrid, I don't know. And if it doesn't exist, it's no sweat off my back. It's, it's you know, I don't really care that much. It's just that after researching and doing a lot of research into the Patterson-Gimlin film, I'm completely, completely convinced whatever that 1967 film is, it's not Bob Hieronymus in a monkey suit. This is a living, creature creature you can see the muscles moving you can see the tendons um so yeah there's something out there but it, it could be some sort of a bear hybrid it could be something way less sexy than a bigfoot so why do you think
3: there's all these television shows where they try to find bigfoot and there's people that have gone on hunts and they all have cameras and they never can produce anything but you take a trip and all of a sudden on the side of the road you encounter one
5: Yeah, I think that if there are these creatures that they have been around for thousands of years. They are uniquely adapted to their environment. They're very, very good at doing what they do. And I think that when we do see them, there's been about 5,000 documented sightings, whether you believe them or not, but it only takes one to be real. Uh, But I think that when we do see them, one of two things happen. Either we surprise them, which I think happens quite a lot, just from the, the stories and the way that they react, or they let us see them. Um... And I don't I don't pretend to know what they are, who they are, how they are. Are they nice? or they mean? Are they this or they that? Are they protector of the forest? I don't know. But I just know that I've heard uh, current and former police officers and veterans and 70 uh, year old, no B.S., Uh, Korean War veterans give their stories. I've heard grown men bawling because of how bad it upset them. So it's mostly the eyewitness testimony that makes me think that there's something to it. And then what I saw, I would not bet much money at all that what I saw was a Bigfoot. That doesn't convince me. It's mostly what other people have seen. And then what I saw was just uh, unexplainable. Is there—could there be an explanation? Absolutely. But it would be very strange had that—it would be just as strange to me if that were a seven-foot-tall person dressed all in black.
3: (laughs) So here we are today. You have this experience— You were able to see it and you had a witness with you that you experienced it with. So you know that you weren't crazy or hallucinating or anything like that. And uh, moving forward, it's something that will shape your view of this. Would you like just going back to this Oklahoma story, um, would you prefer that they stay a mystery and people always look at them? Or would you rather someone shoot one, kill one, and then that's the only documented case ever?
5: Yeah, that's a really, really controversial topic in the Bigfoot uh, community, which I guess I'm a big enough nerd that I'm a part of now. Um, I And we had this discussion on, on my show just this week. I personally uh, would be okay with one being shot just to verify the species. And if it happened to end up being some sort of human, horrible, um, terrible but if it's a big eight foot tall, hairy something with human DNA, uh, I would like for the mystery to be solved. And, and, whether that happens. I think personally, what's going to happen is one of these days, there's so many people now out there with iPhones and people out there hunting. And I've heard so many stories where hunters had them in the crosshairs or people hit them with semi trucks. If they exist, I think in my lifetime, someone's going to hit one with a semi truck and they're going to put it in the back and we're going to know what it is. Yeah.
3: Harry and the Henderson style. Maybe they'll try to hide it. And someone right now out in the woods is hiding bigfoot to try to save them we never there could be a bigfoot sanctuary someone for, uh, somewhere as far as we know
5: Oh, dude, you're kidding. But look, there are a lot of people out there who that's what they want. They believe so much that there are these animals and that people are out there trying to kill them, that their mission in life is to have a safe habitat so that they can't be hunted. Um, this guy felt for this guy in Oklahoma. Like, I always feel in 97 1 like everyone hates me because I'm too liberal for conservatives and too conservative for liberals. And this guy who said, hey, let's have a hunting season for Bigfoot, people who believed said, how dare. Dare you want to kill a Bigfoot? And people who didn't believe said, How dare you make us a laughing stock? So this guy's just taking it from all angles.
3: <laughs> Dave Glover from our sister station 971 in the Dave Glover Show. You can check them out. The whole crew. Thank you, Dave. It's a pleasure. Thank you for coming on tonight. Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate it. And he joins us on the Bomberito Automotive Group guest line on Overnight America, KMOX.
0: This is Overnight America, sponsored by Michael's Flooring. The flooring experts. MichaelsFlooringOutlet.com on KMOX.
3: And here we are in Overnight America, getting ready to say goodnight. We have a replay hour coming up after this one. So we only have a few more minutes left. And I always check, does Kevin Colleen have a new whole nother story for us to enjoy? I'm such a fan of Kevin Colleen. And he puts these stories together, and he has an ability to tell that story in such a unique way. I'm always taken back by his talent. One of my favorite people in all of St. Louis. Here is his latest whole nother story.
2: You got the Spitfire right out on your front, yeah, yeah, you driveway. Should, Usually, I keep it in my shop. Did you ever watch that movie, The Battle of Britain? Oh yeah, yeah, with Michael Caine and uh, Robert Shaw. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Travel! For boys who grew up with model
1: airplanes dangling from their bedroom ceiling, you had to have a Spitfire, the sleek green British fighter plane that outmaneuvered the Luftwaffe in the Battle of Britain.
3: For those who fought in the Battle of Britain, it was a battle for survival.
1: For the free world. Joseph Wetter is an oil painting artist, a photographer, and a woodworker who makes coffee tables and musical instruments. But he also likes Spitfires, and he bought this three-fourth scale replica of a Spitfire because, for him, it's the coolest of planes.
2: They were outnumbered three to one, but they ended up kicking their tails and sending Hitler uh, back to back to Germany. Ever since then, we <laughs> open the cockpit; it slides back. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's actual period stuff. I've got it. machine guns. No, huh? I was I was thinking it'd be kind of cool though to like maybe mount some paintball guns or something on the wings.
1: The Spitfire, parked in a driveway in St. Charles, is not ready to fly yet. Among other things, it still needs an engine. I
2: think it had a three-cylinder engine in it, but when you stood next to a real Spitfire and heard her real Merlin engine, it purrs like a kitten. So uh, are you married? Uh, no, I have a girlfriend. What does your girlfriend say about all this? Well, uh, she supports me in all my endeavors, and I'm a lucky guy for it. Without offending you, but if somebody has a hobby and their wife is nagging them like you've gone <laughs> too far, they could take the wife for a ride up here and
1: say, look, at least I don't have a Spitfire.
2: Yeah, yeah, I mean, they this could. Is, this is, you're really leading the charge on hobbies here. <laughs> I I like your approach to things. That's a a good one. Hey, at least they don't have a Spitfire. That's artist
1: Joseph Wetter, the man with the Spitfire in his driveway in front of his shop at 1801 North 2nd Street in St. Charles. With a whole other story, I'm Kevin (laughs) Colleen.
3: There's so many cool things out there. I had to Google search Spitfire. Because I don't know if I've actually seen one. And then I saw a picture of it and said, oh, yeah, no, I know those. Those are very popular. But to have one of those out front, uh, my wife wouldn't let me do that. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Well, that about does it for us here on Overnight America. If you are on Facebook and you don't like Facebook, but you're still on it, hey, join the club, Ryan Wrecker Radio. (laughs) That's where you could be part of it on twitter at ryan Recker, coming up in the replay hours which you'll be able to enjoy lieutenant colonel tony schaefer is president of the london center for policy research we talk a little bit about some of the whistleblower and stories that have been out in the last couple of years coming up we'll see you tomorrow night eight o'clock have a good night bye